So welcome everyone to this new episode of the Bride Podcast, the podcast for professionals in doctoral education. Today I'm speaking with Milita Kovacevic. Milita is well known in the scene, I think. She was former vice rector for research and technology transfer at the University of Zagreb. She was chairing the Council for Doctoral Education at EUA, and she is professor for psycholinguistics at the University of Zagreb. So, Melita, thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Melita, my first question. We are talking about the Salzburg principles. And usually when newcomers are starting working in the area of doctoral education, they rather soon stumble upon the Salzburg principles. It is now almost 16 years ago. Actually, it was February 2005 when people were gathering in Salzburg to discuss doctoral education. The event was called the Bologna Seminar on Doctoral Programs for the European Knowledge Society. And as far as I know, it was really the first gathering on the European level to discuss the new action line in the Bologna process entitled European Higher Education and European Research Area. So it's two pillars of the knowledge-based society. As far as I remember, and I was not there, but you have been in Salzburg in February 2005. So can you share your memories with us, please? Thank you, Lucas, for this question. Yes, I have been there. Uh, this was definitely a turning point for doctoral education. And personally, I'm involved in doctoral education for many years. And I started to introduce changes, at least in my in doctoral education, at least at my own university from the beginning of 2000. But even if I stopped doing anything with doctoral education, this particular event that took place, as you said, in February 2005, actually it was 3rd to the 5th of February in 2005, was really something to remember. This meeting happened in a winter that was extremely strong and snowy, and this meeting gathering in Salzburg was something that I think that everyone who was there could share probably many memories, uh, not only me. Probably I also forgot some details, but uh, please allow me to recall my memories and to sketch it as I uh, store it in my long-term uh, memory. So as I said, it was extremely strong winter with lots of snow and roads were cut off. Cars going to Salzburg were put on trains in order to get to reach the Salzburg, and even the trains were slowed down. So it was a really special winter. At the same time, this was a busy time for Bologna process, and there were many seminars, big gatherings were organized all the time. This Salzburg meeting was the first one really to be devoted to the doctoral education, and this was something new. So registration was closing down quickly and so many colleagues wanted to participate. And if I remember well, the halls in, at the Salzburg University and the place where it was taking place couldn't take more, something around, I think, 300 places, if I remember well. And the organizers started to turn down people. Somehow I managed to get in and I was very glad. So... But actually, the real surprise was uh, the meeting itself. At first, it was some kind of cacophony. 
And probably some of my colleagues and yourself heard me saying this because this is, this was something to remember. Everyone was claiming to some point different things. Everyone was using different wordings. Terminology was so different among different participants. It seems that at that time, we were all more familiar with the U.S. system, so American system in doctoral education, than we were uh, actually aware and uh, we could talk about the differences among European universities or within Europe. It was really a question what would come out of this meeting. And I think that many of us were wondering, okay, what we're going to reach with this meeting. And then there was another surprise. The result of all these discussions, very open discussions, arguments, a lot of space to exchange, and a lot of, I would say, efforts of all of those who organized the, the meeting. Maybe just to remind ourselves, this year Austria has the presidency, and I would say many colleagues from Austrian ministry and all those involved in organizing the meeting, but as well colleagues from Bologna process, and finally, of course, colleagues from uh, European University Association, they put a lot of efforts and the outcome of the meeting were Salzburg principles. Again, they came out very quickly after the meeting. I think if I remember well, this was somewhere mid of February, maybe 18th of the February. And this was actually the document, the starting point for doctoral education reform. This document was forwarded later to BFUG group and uh, from BFUG group to Bergen meeting of uh, ministries that took place, I think, two years afterwards. So main topics, as far as I remember, there was a structure and organization of doctoral education, quality of doctoral education and different uh, roles of the stakeholders. And what we know, all those topics are still equally relevant today. This was also later initiating the establishment of Council of Doctoral Education, which happened to be established 2008, which contributed to development and advancements in doctoral education and research training in Europe, but I would say also plays an important role globally. So how did they, these Salzburg principles, which were written and adopted also by the, by the Ministers' Conference, what made them, so to say, a game changer in the field of doctoral education? Well, I mean, one thing is the fact that this was the first time this kind of document that came out, and it was, I would say, easy to read, but requires a lot of thinking how to do changes and, and things recommended or put within those 10 principles. But maybe to start also to say the firstly, what was really important that large academic community gathered around this meeting and somehow witnessed the development of the documents itself. Doctoral education came to the focus, which was not case so clearly before. And what was really stressed, the relevance of research and creation of new knowledge as a core business of, of universities. And I think that universities and academics involved in the, and creating and changing universities at that time really appreciated this fact. Bologna reform up to that time was has been primarily focused on bachelor and master level and research, while well, research and doctoral education were gaining very little attention uh, and it was not comparable to bachelor and master level. In 2003, again, if I remember well, ministry meeting in Berlin emphasized the relevance of research and actually 
ask for more uh, action in this area. Secondly, what I think it's also uh, important, uh, as I mentioned some minutes ago, the whole system of doctor education was very diversified in uh, Europe. And this fact itself is fine. There is nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it became clear that some kind of common shared framework is needed, which will enable further development of doctoral education as well as implement or make the direction for needed changes. Everything was changing at that time. Society was changing very rapidly. Universities and higher education in general was changing. And it was not possible to keep doctoral education as it was 50 years ago. It is also important to say that uh, Salzburg principles were written in a way that a high degree of freedom is left to each university to decide what kind of changes at which pace they will implement. At the same time, they sketch clearly the direction of change, emphasizing all the relevant components. So this was actually the start of reform in doctoral education, but as many say, it was a quiet revolution. No one had to do anything and everyone could try to make many changes as they think they needed. It was some kind of powerful, intrinsic motivation for many universities, and I would say in particular to those that uh, wanted to be perceived as research universities in Europe and globally. And this is also what became relevant if one looks, for instance, at the trend reports then. In the, in the beginning of the century, there were only a few universities who were actually running doctoral schools and referring to one of the Salzburg principles that it's really the institution's responsibility. I think the, the growing of doctoral schools, more or less all over Europe, are really an indication how, how the Salzburg principles have been so to say, an important motivational factor for many universities. To be also on board, as you said, uh, if you want to become a research or want to be considered as a research university, you should have doctoral education quite on top of your, of your agenda. So some of the, of the issues stressed in the, in the Salzburg principle maybe have been even quite radical in the sense that we stopped what some called the private relationship between the supervisor and the supervisee, to say that this is an, an, an obligation of the institution to take care of. But on the other hand, people are now getting used to it. So what would you say, are the Salzburg principles still relevant? It's a, a, a document 16 years old. Uh, is it still influential? Yeah, I would say, uh, and that's interesting. I, I think in a way it's a still the same way relevant as it was, what, now 15 years ago. Of course, many universities implemented many changes, but we still know, according to many data and many exchanges that we have with different institutions, that there is still many things to be done. So maybe, as you said, when Salzburg principles appeared, they, they, this was a, some kind of radical document at least perceived by some institutions as being radical. If it's to be to followed, it required a lot of change on one side on the individual level. And as you said and mentioned, this is an issue of supervision, which was always the starting and ending point of any doctoral journey for young person and also required a lot of institutional changes. 
So the fact that new developments of doctor education ask for different strategical planning put, in fact, in front of university governance new challenges. And I would say this is still relevant and this is still important for universities to, for some universities to think how to do it, for some to rethink could some things could be done differently and uh, more efficiently. At the beginning, I would say this new era for doctoral education, mainly rectors and in particular vice rectors for research and doctoral education were involved in all the, all those processes and could contributed a lot to uh, many meetings. Gradually, and this is an interesting shift, focus moved to other stakeholders and starting involving more and more highly profiled professional staff. Today, I would say it is impossible to think of well-functioning doctoral education system with a good quality unless the institution has established good quality professional support. And this shows some kind of continuity changes and new needs, but on the same line, going in the same direction. Maybe going back to your core uh, question, Salzburg principles were five years later elaborated and further developed in Salzburg recommendations. And gradually, I would say, a number of other documents, recommendations appeared. So we can find them from different institutions and different units. And, but they're all of them are focused on the main goal, and this is good quality of education. Each of them added something. I would say they followed the same principles using sometimes a little bit different wording. And they were all helping actually universities to make uh, this shift of adequate changes in doctoral education. What is important that the need for a reform in doctoral education actually became a global challenge. It was happening, or, it, or we can say it is still happening, at all the continents, and everyone was trying to identify the most relevant aspects of change, what is needed in their context. And regardless, all of the differences, a significant level of convergence was taking place. So one side, we still have high level of diversity within uh, European universities, but at the same time, I would say, looking globally, Doctoral education is sharing many common points and, and, and has a very similar pathway. The logical question actually is, where are we now? I mean, we have 15 years of very intense work in individual institutions, but also sharing lots of experience. As the latest survey conducted at the EUSCTE, we know that all the universities did a lot almost it is certain that each university made at least some changes. What we also know that diversity is significant, and this is fine, it should be this way. We don't want to have a unified system and with no differences between these institutions, but still we might wonder, considering such a huge range of institutional solutions for the same aspects of doctoral education, what is the most effective? Do we reach the same level of quality using different tools, implementing different models? This is something to be explored further, to be investigated, and we should search for a proper answer. This allows me to make a, a small uh, commercial <laughs> saying. We are thinking about uh, organizing a masterclass in 
in the fall of 2021, so this year, to discuss efficiency when it comes to doctoral education. So thanks for giving me this kind of hint. Actually, it is interesting, and one of the indications that Salzburg principles were so important is also seen that uh, EOA decided to use Salzburg also in the Salzburg II recommendation. So it was a, a really an update of Salzburg. They should have called it also the Maastricht principles or the, I don't know where the, where the meeting in 2010 actually has been, but they wanted to emphasize, and I can remember very well when George Abbas said, we need Salzburg 2.0. And nowadays, maybe we would need Salzburg 4.0 already. And it's also a document from 2016, I think it was, to say, moving Salzburg forward. So Salzburg was really, so to say, when it all began. Melita, you also mentioned that, so to say, the, the audience within the, within the gatherings is changing. So there are more and more professionals entering the scene. And on the other hand, vice rectors, vice presidents are coming and going. So I said it already, and I repeat myself, you are kind of an exception in that respect. I would like to finish with a kind of a personal question. What keeps you as a full professor in psycholinguistics, all the one who knows you, uh, you're a very busy person. So what keeps you personally motivated to get stay engaged in the area of doctoral education? Yeah, it's, it's always the hardest way uh, to formulate something personal. But I would say that it was, I mean, the doctoral education change, it was one of the most interesting processes of change in higher education, at least in my career. I've been involved in different aspects of higher education and I still participate. So besides my professional field, as you said, psycholinguistics, I'm involved in, in different aspects of policy and issues related to higher education. But today, of course, in a different way that maybe I did it 10 or 15 years ago. What was happening and still does in doctor education is very specific, it's exciting, and is for me is motivating because I really think what universities are, the core business is a doctoral education. And if you ask me why do I find it so specific and exciting and motivating, I don't know, but maybe because doctor education is research, is around the research, everything around research and young people. And this is what I think universities are. So thank you very much, Melita, for taking the time to talk with me. So let me close with, first of all, thanking you. And secondly, to make this short announcement that we think about having the next gathering at Charles University in May. And we are very optimistic to have the masterclass training in Dubrovnik in the beginning of September. So stay connected with us to know what's going on and enjoy listening. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking me to participate.